Let's pray as we get started. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We love you. We invite you to this place, Father. As Brooke prayed, I stand in agreement with that prayer. We desire your will. I desire you to speak, not me. And it be only what you desire. Father, so my hands are yours, my feet are yours. My will is yours, my mouth is yours. You have everything. You promised, Lord, that as we seek you, we find you. We count on that promise as we count on every promise that you give. You are so good. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. So, a couple things I want to mention. First of all, I don't know if they can actually see me now or not, the Nigeria crew, because about 20 minutes ago they were having a huge sandstorm, and now they're having a huge rainstorm. Praise God. We've been praying for that. Yes, and, and hopefully they can hear me. If not, I know they'll see this later. But uh, uh, the wells there have gone dry because the dry season has extended so long. I mean, when I was there, has it been three weeks, two weeks, two and a half, <laughs> whatever it's been, two and a half weeks ago, it rained a couple times when I was there, and usually when it starts to rain, it starts to rain. That's, that's the coming of the season. And so we thought for sure that it was going to come. Because there, there was, it was strange because the first rain literally hit us on the compound. Nobody else we talked to experienced rain the night before, which is kind of strange when you think about that. But then the next one, a couple nights later, was pretty heavy, even though it didn't last long. I want to say maybe 20 minutes. And we thought, okay, good, because the wells were already going dry then. And wells are different than the boreholes that are, that are dug. We have, we have a borehole there on the compound. Our borehole is probably, I don't know, 500 feet deep, something like that. Most boreholes there are between 100 and 175 meters. So you can imagine how deep that would go. So boreholes can still produce water. We were still producing water and uh, giving as much as we could to the neighbors, to the neighborhood there. But all of the wells had dried up, and, and so we were praying hard for that. So praise God that they are getting a, a healthy rain right now. Pray that, that that season has begun and those wells will fill back up. Because most of the places there, most of the homes, households, they don't have boreholes or access to boreholes. It's, it's not like here in the States where everybody has their own well, their own borehole, whatever. Here we call them wells. They're actually, they're boreholes. They're, they're really deep. But continue to pray about that. Another thing that I want to mention, this was pretty cool. Um, Nicole Tice had texted me last night and uh, pretty late. I don't know when the decision came down, but the, the U.S. Supreme Court had a decision yesterday that was pretty cool and impacts us actually pretty, pretty strongly. I didn't even know about the case 
But apparently there was a pastor back in March of last year, a year ago, that was being shut down in California for having a house church. For Now, this case specifically was because of COVID and, and all of that. And they were really coming down hard on them. The uh, governor there, what's, what's his name again? Newsom. Yeah, Newsom. I, I need to think of a name for him. Anyways, he, he was coming down hard. And, and so it went all the way through, got to the Supreme Court. They came down with a, it was a split decision, but still a decisive decision yesterday in favor of that pastor. So that's great news. Amen. Thank you. You you are the only one awake this morning. Right. No, that's huge to us. Yeah. yeah. That's huge. That's huge, guys. And and so, you know, we'll see where that takes us and we'll we'll see where that goes. I, I find it interesting that this morning is the first time that I can recall that the county is not with us this morning. Um, I don't know if it has anything to do with that decision. I don't think so. Just so you know, there's other things going on behind the scene that, that I'll share, just not online. And, uh, but I think it is very good. We'll, we'll put it that way. I, I think that, um, the law is definitely on our side. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. But, so I, I'm, I'm thankful for those things. And, and when we trust God, when we trust Him in what He tells us to do, we don't have to worry about the outcome. We just don't. It's not our responsibility. Do you know that's where most of the church has gone wrong when it comes to finances? I mean, if you look at, at most churches, for that matter, how about most families? Most Christian families, along with churches, the one thing they take control of because it is the one thing that literally we cannot do without and that is money. We take control of that. Churches are no different. Churches take control of that, literally taking the control from God. I, 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 that's something I never understood. I, I remember being in leadership meetings talking about a project that clearly the Lord wanted us to do. And this was years ago, but th- this wasn't here at Ignition, but... It was a project that the Lord wanted us to take on that was expensive. It was way out of our budget, but it was something that the Lord wanted. He wanted us to step out in faith. And I remember this, the response in the room when I'm saying, well, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. It's not our responsibility to figure out how. It's our responsibility to step in what he says. That's it. The how's up to him. If he tells us to go and start a work in Nigeria, is it our responsibility to figure out how to do that? No. If, it ha- if we had taken that responsibility back from him, we wouldn't have Americans on the ground right now. We wouldn't have over 5,000 5, partners across the United States that partner with us on that project. Think about that. That isn't us. That's nothing we did. That's nothing I did. Praise God, it's nothing I did. It's all God. How often do we take the control from Him and then do it ourselves? 
See, I know I'm, I'm, I'm harping on churches now, but we do that individually. Wow. We do that individually. Where he gives us these great promises. We trust you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. Control, 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 control. Trust you, God. Control, control, control. That's the reality of what we do. Even if we don't recognize it. Why? Because in many ways the world says that is stupid. That's careless. You know, Lord... Lord is telling me to quit my job and to step into this ministry full time. Now, first and foremost, make sure it's the Lord. Okay? Make sure it's the Lord telling you. But if it is, and you have confirmation of that, don't let anybody tell you that that's careless. Don't let anybody tell you that that is wrong. By the way, maybe to the world standards, it is careless. It was careless to the world standards. For me to close my business. And you know the story. I've told it a hundred times. It was careless from the world's point of view. Because when I closed the business, I didn't close my bills. (laughs) Wouldn't that have been nice? (laughs) No. All I did was shut off the spout of my income. Wow, that's careless. That's stupid. God would never. Man, when somebody tells you that. Stop them right there. Stop them right there. And identify what they're saying and what spirit it is from. Because more times than not, a phrase beginning with God would never, is not coming from God. Because in God, all things are possible. All things. (laughs) Not most things. In God, there are many things that are possible. In God, there are a few things possible. In God, you know, there's one thing possible. Do you see how it digresses? No. In God, there are all things are possible. All things that are in Him, all things that are directed by Him, all it requires is one thing from you. Your yes. That's it. That's it. And then stepping in obedience to that yes. You know, we could count on God. We could count on God for everything. In fact, I want to read, I don't often do this, but I want to read a prophecy that was sent out, I think two days ago, by Lana. And I want to read it because it has a very specific application to about ten of us. Now, it applies to all of us. But when I go through it, I'm going to point out the part that is very specific to about ten of us. And I didn't sit and count, but I think it's somewhere around that many. You'll see what I mean as as I get to that point. This morning I heard the Lord say, My yes is still yes. And I began to see many across the body of Christ who have heard a promise from the Lord and have been believing and contending for this promise. And in the last while, there has not been one giant that has stood before their promise, but numerous. The level of battle and opposition against the promise of the Lord has been so intense that I saw many have come to a place of even doubting whether 
what they heard from the Lord regarding this promise was actually right. I saw many beginning to question, quote, maybe I heard God wrong, end quote. Or, quote, maybe I've misinterpreted, end quote. Quote, maybe I have been believing for all along, or maybe what I have been believing for all along is just not my portion, end quote. The words from the Lord, Lord's heart, resounded so loudly over this deep inner wrestle that many were facing. He said, my yes is still yes. Immediately, I was surrounded by 2 Corinthians 1, chapter 1, verse 20. For all God's promises have been fulfilled with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Brooke even mentioned that in worship. For all God's promises find their yes of fulfillment in him. And as his yes and our amen ascend to God, we bring him glory. Friend, God is not forgotten. God has not forgotten you. God is faithful to complete that which he has spoken. I heard the Lord say, keep standing on my yes with your yes. Continue to agree with me. For I am going to fulfill that which I have spoken. Isaiah 55, 11. And the battle may be intense, the journey has been wearying, but the tidal wave of my refreshment and strengthening is upon you. Amen. The waves of opposition have come and attempted to take you further away from the promise that I have spoken to you. But I say unto you that the tide is going to turn. By my mighty outstretched arm, I am going to move in power and I will part the Red Sea of impossibility. Everyone will say, come and see the incredible things God has done. It will take your breath away. He multiplies miracles for his people. He made a highway going right through the Red Sea as the Hebrews passed through on dry ground, exploding with joyous excitement over the miracles of God. Psalm 66, 5 and 6. The enemy has come so ferociously with hit after hit, blow after blow, to wind you and take your, to wind you, sorry, and take your breath away. But I prophesy that the incredible things God is going to do, the multiple miracles, the powerful deliverances, the way that God is going to make a way through the impossibility into the manifestation of what he has spoken will take your breath away in awe and wonder of his mighty power. I heard the Lord speaking over these ones. You will have a powerful testimony that the harvest of souls will be drawn to. Now, before I finish this last paragraph, because it is in this last paragraph that it resonated so strongly with me. It was maybe a week and a half ago or a little less where there were about ten of us or so dealing with a witch. And a manifestation of a witch coming against us, coming against ignition. So strongly, screaming out over and over again, 
Give up. Give up. Give up. That was about a week and a half ago. Friend, this is bigger than you. The Lord is faithful to fulfill to you that which he has spoken. He loves you so dearly, but also the Lord sees the harvest of souls that will come to the feast table of your testimony to taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Psalm 34, 8. The impossibilities that have come up against your promise promises recently. The pressure and opposition worse than ever. The screaming intimidation that continues to lure. Give up. Give up. Have all come because the enemy is terrified of what God is doing. Of what God is going to do for you and through you. The enemy is terrified of the way the Lord's kingdom will go forth through you. The enemy is still doing all he can to stop you. The enemy is also terrified of so many souls coming to know Jesus through your testimonies. The testimony of his his miraculous power in these areas of promise that the Lord gave you. The places where impossibilities seemed to increase by the day. Those places will be some of the greatest demonstrations of his power that you will tell the world about. And many will come to know Jesus. Do not give up. Stand up and join your yes with his yes afresh. Then watch and see God do the rest. You are closer to the manifestation of God's promise and divine justice than you realize. What a powerful word. What a powerful word and so true. And how often do we see times outside of our church here that bring us confirmation of God's word with the very Words, the very detailed words that are either spoken to us or in this case where the enemy has tried to come against us. See, there, <laughs> there is nothing roundabout on that at all. It's exact. It's precise. See, when you seek God and you build relationship with him, As that relationship matures and grows with him and you understand his voice more and more, there is something else that grows. And that is the precision of his voice. The precision of his word. We all believe in here that his yes means yes. We all believe in here That when he says something, he means it, and he acts upon it. Now, without throwing the wrench of timing in there, we just flat out know it to be true. Why? Because we believe it. We believe it by faith. We have the, the joy of seeing those who have gone before us that devoted their entire lives to believing by faith what God is doing. 
You know, it's interesting to read Hebrews chapter 11 because it talks about toward the end of the chapter where all of those people, and, and so many are listed, so many are listed in what we call the hall of faith, right? That all those people did not realize, did not receive the very promise that God ultimately gave them. They did not receive it in their lifetime. And then he goes on to explain what that is. Because they all looked forward to a city whose foundations are built by God. To a governmental system whose foundations are built by God. I'm telling you, be thankful. This thing keeps rubbing, doesn't it? I am telling you, we are entering that time now. Our lifespans will be different than those in Hebrews chapter 11. Because those that waited for one day when God would build a city whose foundation is built on Him, that day is here. That day is now. That is not a concept. That is a reality. He is doing that. Part of doing that is revealing truth. Do you know, I used to be a builder. When you go to build a building or build a house, one of the things you have to have done is a survey. You have to test the land. You have to see what kind of soil. You have to see what kind of, is the soil clay? Is it rocky? Is it sand? You have to test the soil to see what you're building upon. So you go and, and you have an excavator go and dig up. Or you take samples of what's going on in the soil. So you can analyze that. To reveal what is down there. Not seen. Isn't that exactly what God is doing right now in this country and for that matter the world? His excavator is digging up the soil to expose what's underneath. Why? Because unless that's exposed, we cannot build on solid ground. Believe me. Believe him. He is coming to build. He is not waiting until his bride is so pathetic that he saves her from herself. Shame on those who think that. In fact, he is showing through his remnant who his bride is supposed to be. Believing that his yes means yes. Believing in what he says. Knowing his voice, trusting his voice with everything that we are. That's tough to do. Why? Because there's a great cost to it. There is a great cost 
to saying yes to Him and meaning your yes. Walking in that yes. So we have this idea of, I, I think if I were to ask anybody in here, do you believe God when he says yes? Do you believe his yes means yes? And I, I think everybody bar none would say, of course. I, I think probably most of the bride would say that. Certainly all of the remnant would say that. And when the Lord laid that question on me, Yesterday, and then, th- th- then this morning I started pondering that question, something else came up. And the Lord asked me, but does your yes mean yes? Right? We believe his yes to mean yes. But do we give him the same yes? Does our yes mean yes? To him. I want you to go. He took me to Matthew chapter 5. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 33, beginning at verse 33, talking about oaths. And really it's, it's talking about what you speak, what you say. Verse 33, beginning of chapter 5, says this. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head. For you cannot make one hair white or black. I was going to say a joke there, but I won't. Let what you say be simply yes or no, or your Bible may say yay or nay. Yes or no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. Now, I find it interesting in verse 36. It says, Don't take an oath even by your head, for you cannot make one head white or black. What is it meaning there? Do not take an oath of yes or no. Do not say yes or no about something that you do not have control over. We speak out to what we have control over, what he has given us control over. Now, for each of us, it is our lives, right? It is our personal lives. Nobody ultimately can make you choose to do something or not except you. And they could do their best to persuade you. They can try to manipulate you. They could even torture you and force it that way. But ultimately... Only you can make the decision to give a yes or a no. You're in complete control of who you are. That's why Satan has so many tactics to gain our minds. That's why the drug industry is so big. And I don't mean just street drugs. I mean even pharmaceutical drugs that we begin to rely on 
rather than him. Because every little bit that we give in of our yes, of our control over who we are and our body, we give away to one or the other. You understand that? There's no third party. There's no third party. You are not the third party. You are the target. You are also the prize, the Bible says. You are not a third party in this. It is good versus evil. It is God versus Satan. Now, the awesome thing and truth is that there's no comparison. (laughs) Not at all. Not even a little bit. Satan cannot stand up to God. Satan is a created being. Satan is also a fallen being. Fallen out of grace by his creator. He holds no power that is not given to him. And I'm excited about this. I'll give a little teaser right now. God has been been having me work on something for a while now. And I know it's going to become a either a Sunday morning or probably a, a couple of Sunday mornings a series. But um, he, he's been putting together for me, and I don't know if this will make sense, but the existence, the life of Lucifer. Where he began from creation, where he will end in the abyss, and everything in between. Now, why is he doing this? Because it's important. It it actually, to me, has revealed so much information of how Satan works. And really, Satan is not his name. Satan is a title. It's technically the Satan. It's Lucifer. But how he works, how he deceives, how he gains authority with each of us. We are the ones that give that authority to either him or God. No third party, like I said. It's not, well, we're just going to keep it to ourselves. No, we're already fallen flesh. If we keep it to ourselves, or thinking we're just doing what we want to do, well, that is keeping it from God. Now, although God is not even close in comparison to Satan and his power, God has limited himself. And understand this, because this is an important concept. Because so many Christians say, well, you know, God is all-powerful. He can just do blank, 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 blank. And he can. But he can't in your life unless you let him. Do you know God has designed it to where you are the ultimate authority in your life? You say yes. You say no. You choose to walk forward in obedience of that yes. It's your choice. Why? Why in the world would God do that? Why in the world would he set it up to where literally he has to have this battle with Satan and, and, and be on a level playing field? Why? Because of love. That's the only way that love can be expressed. It's by choice. He can't force his love on you. He can't take 
your love from you. He can only give you opportunity to give it. He can only give you opportunity for it to be real. And for it to be real is your choice. That's why one of the hardest things when, when people come to Lex tonight for personal counseling, tough things that they're going through in their lives, one of the first things that we talk about, the first things that we deal with, is do you understand how God feels about you? Do you understand the love that He has for you? You cannot build relationship with Him. Understand this, this is important. You cannot build relationship with Him without understanding His love and receiving His love. You can't. It's impossible. Anything beyond that is simply in your mind. It's simply informational. Well, I know he loves me because the Bible said he loves me. Which is awesome. That's truth. But you know what? Unless you know and apply that to your life, you cannot build relationship with him. You could be saved. You could get your golden ticket. Awesome. But you cannot build relationship. You cannot build a friendship with him. You cannot build communication with him. Unless you know. Unless you know how much He loves you. Know how precious you are to Him. That's one of the biggest battles of all of this. Because Satan is on the other side trying to make us feel unworthy of that love. And, and here's the thing. <laughs> we are. We are unworthy of that love. But that's why Jesus gave his life. That's why Jesus, as the Son of God, inserted himself into mankind, was born of a man, or born of a virgin, became a man, lived a perfect, sinless life, showing us that we can walk by faith. Showing us that we can have relationship with the Father just like Him. We went over this last week. If, if that doesn't ring a bell, listen to the podcast last week. He did this and then gave His life for us. Do you know the moment He gave that perfect life, we became worthy. If we accept Him, if we receive Jesus into our heart as Savior, immediately we are worthy. Immediately. Because it's His blood that washed us, not our own. Our own wouldn't do any good. Our own was not perfect as His. But just because we, came, we became worthy when we accepted Him as Savior doesn't mean that we know it or understand it. Something can be true, but yet you don't know it's true. You know, something that comes to my mind is the Truman Show. If you've seen that, you know, he grew up his whole life in this 
atmosphere of this world that he knew and everything was really real to him. And yet nothing was real at all. Nothing. See, we can fool ourselves into not seeing reality. Those are the choices that we make. And it's all based on faith. When you read the word of God, guess what? If you just read it intellectually, good luck. Hope you like history because you're basically just reading history. You have to read it by faith for it to have any effect on your life. Because that's what pleases God. Hebrews 11.6. That's what he wants. He wants you to read his word by faith. So then... You build relationship, you learn his voice, you learn his word, and you can step in that faith. Hmm. What would it look like if the bride started stepping in his faith? Do you know, we keep thinking we've got to get Christians in these positions of authority so things can be better. Great thought hasn't made a bit of difference. Look, there are Christians in authority. I think of even at the local level. I look at the school system now and see what it looks like. See what it's teaching our young people what it's laying out for them, pushing an agenda of LGBTQRSTUV, whatever it is. And I say that half-joking, but in full enraged. Enraged by our school system pushing the very things that they have no right to push onto our children. If we could only get some Christians in key places. (laughs) I know, or I should say I knew, 20 years ago, the school superintendent for Appaquinimic, Matt Burroughs who is now the superintendent. We went to church together. His wife sang on the choir with us. They were involved as we were involved. They weren't just churchgoers. They were involved people. I don't know his status with the Lord is now. I haven't talked to him in 20 years. I know he claimed to be a Christian then. I believe he would claim to be a Christian now. Sitting in the highest seat in the Appaquinimic School District. And yet in our schools, this trash is perpetrated. I'm not putting all that blame on him. But I'm saying it does no good to get Christians into positions that are not willing to give their life for God. 
Now maybe Matt feels alone. Matt, if you do and you hear this, man, call me. We will back you a thousand percent. We will fight that fight with you. But if you don't take on that fight, you will be removed. And it won't be by me. Because God is placing the people in positions that will be sold out to him and doing what he wants, no matter the cost. For some, it will cost their lives. Perhaps many. For some, it will cost their living. It will cost everything that they hold dear. But where's your faith? Where's your faith? Is it worth? I I think of the movie, one of my favorite movies, Braveheart. And, you know, when he comes out the first time, they they line up and, and fight the British. Or English, I guess, back then. And, and he said, what would you be willing to give? He said, sure, if you run now, you'll live. You'll go and you'll, you'll live. You'll hide for longer. He said, but would you be willing to give up each day between now and then just at the chance for freedom? Something they had never experienced before in their lives. I say that to the bride. I say that to the remnant right now. What would you be willing to give up? What would you be willing to give up? To see that freedom. And don't let the world lie to you. This agenda that they're trying to push For their own freedom. Well, no, we're just just trying to push for our own freedom. We all all just have the right to be heard and be seen, and, and, and we just have these rights. Guess what? That is not what's going on. Right now, what is going on is they are trying to usurp your rights to sit below a God who created everything. Who did all for us and them. They want to push him out of everything that this country is. Look how it's gone. The last 50 years. I'm almost 57. For the last 50 years, how our country has changed. How our school system has changed. Because that's been Satan's greatest target. See, he's been patient on this one. He's been patient. Started systematically working on it with the youth. That's why you have a whole generation right now that doesn't know what it means to be passionate for something. That's why you see them becoming passionate about anything. Goodness gracious, why in the world would you be passionate for somebody that wants to kill you? That's what Satan wants. He may lie to you and say he's your friend. 
But that is a lie. In fact, the Bible says he is the father of lies. But we're in a new time now. Because, see, there are people. There are people willing to stand up. There are people to get, willing to give their life for truth. You know what? Let's, let's settle this for a second. Real quick. It's, it's not hard. Let's settle this LGBTQ thing. I want you to go to Romans chapter 1. Now, if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe that the Bible is God's word, that's a different story. That's fine. You don't have to believe that. It's your choice. God set it up to be your choice. However, the Bible proves itself out over and over and over and over and over again. The thing I have a problem with are Christians that say this is okay. Yeah, this is okay. You know, this is just how God made me. Or even worse, those who push that agenda in church. Who push that agenda saying that this is okay. Let's start here. Romans chapter 1, I'm going to begin with verse 18. Talking about God's wrath on unrighteousness. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Wow, amen to that. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. What he's saying here is there is no excuse for anyone to not believe in God. Verse 20, for his invisible attributes... Namely, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. And the things that have been made. It's talking about his creation. It's talking about gravity. The fact that I'm not floating up into the heavens right now. Talking about the earth. Talking about us. We're his creation. Do you know his creation was not just Adam and Eve? Do you know you're his creation? Because, see, you come from a single cell. <laughs> you come from a single DNA strand that is not multiply broken down until it splits. How in the heck does that happen? It happens because of God. Because of of. I believe it's Hebrews 1.1 where it says that the universe is held up by the word of his power. Literally, his word of creation goes into every single one of you when you were born or when you were growing in the womb. Because with every cell division, information was introduced that was not there before. By the way, that's not conjecture, that's science. World loves to stick to the science. Let's stick to the science. No information. Information. Where'd it come from? It's God. It's God that breathes life into you. Breathes life into every baby that is born. Every cell that is divided. 
See, these are the evidences that it's talking about here. So they are without excuse. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Can I explain something here about idols? Because we, we think of, especially here in the States, we think of idol worship as so archaic. We think, well, yeah, that's like those, those old, you know, people groups that didn't have anything, didn't have technology, didn't have anything else, because they literally made some wood-carved idol, and then they start worshiping it. You know, we're better because, see, we have, like, cars and stuff like that, so we, we, we have the technology, we're smarter than that. Well, first of all, let me enlighten you. That's not what they did. They didn't create a little stone idol and think that that stone was God. It's not what's going on. That's not what happened. Read, read your history in that to understand. What it was, was they would use a carved idol that they made with their hands. That they have control over. Do you understand where I'm going with this? And then they would go through a process of inviting whatever spirit that they want into that idol. So that that idol becomes to them alive. And they worship it. So they're not worshiping a little piece of stone. They're worshiping the God that they think is embodying that piece of stone. Wow, don't we do that today? Don't we do that today? Buddhists do it. Just around the corner. Go look a little. What is it? A happy Buddha or something? I think he needs to lose weight, honestly. It's not healthy. But that's what we do today. That's what we do. We create our own idols. We invite what we think is God into those so we can build them up. No different. No different. So what God is saying here is these, these people, and you can apply it to today, they saw the potential of God. They saw his miracles. They saw his creation that they cannot explain outside of a creative being. And yet they choose to serve something else. That's what it's talking about here. Therefore, verse 24, therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. 
This was all about the person's focus on who God is. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, He, God, gave them up to a debased mind to do what not ought to be done. Or to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. To the community that, that says that it's okay to have a homosexual relationship. And say, well, yeah, but the Bible says it's bad in the Old Testament, but not the New Testament. Because we're under a new covenant. And we can do what we want now. That was Romans. That was New Testament. In fact, that wasn't even written to Jews. That was written to Gentiles. That was written for you and me. That was written for all of us. Because it hurts God when we put other things before Him. And when we systematically do that as a society... He lets us go. That's what it says. It says God gave them up to a debased mind. That's what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what happens so often. Now God also loves individual choice. And me standing here right now, preaching against this, preaching the word of God, is not to take my beliefs and force them down somebody's throat. But that's exactly what they're doing to us. See, we live in a country right now that it's racist if you say anything against them. Not sure how bad it is, but that's their buzzword. That you hate them. Guess what? Got news for you. I don't hate them at all. I hate what's behind them. What does it mean? And, and it's been such a cliche in the church that we really don't know what this means. Love the sinner, hate the sin, right? Hate the sin, but love the sinner. What does that mean? Well... Up to now, it's meant compromise. 
It's meant this special word in our country called tolerance. Guess what? You could call me intolerant all you want. Because I am not fighting to come into your home and tell you what to do. I am fighting, however, for you to stay out of my home. For you to stay out of the places that have control or advantage over our children. With that, you do have a fight. And I believe that the remnant will rise up against this. Are you ready to take heat? I hope so. Because this is a fight that needs to be fought, not just for our children, but for those who don't even understand what they're doing. That's the love of the sinner. If I really love them, what does that love mean? That I want to make them feel better? That's like loving your child as they're running out into traffic and making them feel good about it. Feel good. What does that do? does nothing. No, I care for them. I want to see their souls saved. I want to see them righteous before God. I want to see them build relationship with Him. Have the very joy that He offers to them. Each one. So for that, I love them. I would dare say that I and others like me love them way more than those who choose to be tolerant. Those who choose to just make them feel good. No, if you love them, you'll stand up for what's right. The problem is the church has not been doing that for decades. And Satan has gotten the upper hand because he's gotten the upper hand in our schools. Marty prays about it all the time. It started when they took prayer out of schools. That was some 45 years ago or whatever it was. Almost 50 years ago. 60, 60 I knew that. <laughs> See, when you start to take God out of the picture, it doesn't matter what his yes is in your life. Your yes has to be yes. Your yes has to be accompanied with walking it out in obedience. Alex, come on up. was interesting that he mentioned the example of the movie The Truman Show because in my own testimony I remember when I started to question the reality that I was expected to accept around me and began to want to know and go deeper and 
that's really what's happening now. The Lord is waking up the bride, and we need to be praying into that. We need to be praying every time we're praying together, praying in the prayer call, for God to wake up and show the bride, show his people. We know from First Peter, judgment begins in the house of the Lord. And, and many of us that were at the return, the big event in D.C., um, that was the impassioned prayer was Second Chronicles 7.14. That if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. God is wanting his people to seek his face for these changes. And, um, and we do. You know, the women were talking this morning about needing to be. We were talking about the, the, the necessity to know the word and know how to respond with the word. But not react to our environment. And when we respond with confidence, there is a there is definitely a strategy to, to cause you to be a little bit have it be jarring when you hear certain things. And um, speaking truth is one of those things that we have to stand firm and we have to know fundamentally what we believe and what truth is. And it will agitate people. Even as he was speaking, I, I was reminded of when Jesus would enter those places when the demoniacs would just start, the one guy when he entered the area of the temple, Jesus entered and he, the, the guy comes over to him and says, why, why are you interfering with us? Why are you here? Why are you interfering? Jesus hadn't even humanly encountered him yet. But his presence, what he carried in power and truth, began to make the demons within the guy very agitated. And if you've ever been around somebody, and it happens in our culture all the time, just being around somebody, you can, you can, discern very quickly how much evil or darkness or demonic is on them based on their agitation and that's that's what the enemy wants um he wants people high from you know smoking these lines of wokeine you know in this woke culture um you know it's like i shouldn't say smoking snorting but it's like you know there is this culture that if you say something that's Contrary to what I'm comfortable with, I'm going to start spazzing on you. And so, yes, please, let's stay away from the volcano. All right. Um, but we need to be. We need to know the truth. And I just, I, I can't challenge you enough. Take advantage of the Ignition app and the podcasts that are available to just hit, and let those be part of your week to go back and and dig back in the scriptures from Romans one from. So many great uh, places in scripture that, that talks about um, what, what Greg spoke of this morning. Because God is at work and we need to know the times in which we live. We need the prayer strategy. We need to know the truth. And, and I prayed it last night on the prayer call. You know, when John 8.32 says, And ye shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. The truth does not make you free simply because the truth exists. It makes you free when you accept it. Um, and so that is the free will control that we have. It's not so much control over our life. Don't misunderstand him. He, he said control of your life. What he meant is, is we have control over our will, our will to choose. And even salvation is a choice, obviously. God is not willing that any should perish, that, but that all should come to repentance. But some have rejected him. And so um, we... Uh, we just really need to dig deep and let God show us what's happening because he is, um, 
he is so mighty and so powerful. And, and I know um, another verse that I'll just remind the ladies and throw at you right now before I pray is, is uh, Luke 24, 25 that we talked about. Because that verse 25 in Luke 24, when Jesus was, was charging those people on the road to Emmaus and saying, you slow, sluggish slow to perceive, hesitant to believe. How, how can you be in this mindset where you, you're not believing all that you learned of me and of the prophets who prophesied me? And remember, he was talking, he was Jesus talking to them, but they were, they were blinded to see that it was Jesus on this road to Emmaus. They didn't know it was Jesus at the time. But they were all out of sorts because of what all had happened. And we are in perilous times with very shocking things around us every single day. And God is saying, bride, wake up. I have told you. We have, I've given you my word. I've given you my, my rhema word. I've given you my logos word. I've given you the word that, that is, has been foretold as to these times. And, and I've given you my Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth. And don't be slow to perceive. Don't be slow to believe. And the Amplified always says, Trust in, adhere to, rely on. That's why I love the Amplified. It's like believe. It's this place of active status of, of believing. So, um, so let's pray. And uh, God, we just praise you for this word today. Thank you, God, for how mighty you are, how awesome you are. God, thank you that you love us. And, oh, Lord, I just, I thank you for how much you knock down my door, even as a young child to compel me to come and give you my yes. You didn't run me over. I wasn't a robot, but you wooed me to your love. And I know, God, that that's what you're doing now. God, you aren't willing that any should be blinded, perish, or be separated even in sanctification with you, God. Behold, you said, I stand at the door and knock. You are knocking at so many doors. God, I pray that that each one of us would every single day open that door with our yes. Beyond the ticket to salvation, yes, but the daily yes. What is your will? Not just your permissible will, but your perfect will. What is your plan to prosper us, God? Not to harm us. Help us to know who you are. We have your beautiful word. Thank you for that. Let us not take that for granted. That tells us, who you are, and who you say that we are. Because if we don't know who you say that we are, we will be vulnerable to the lies of the enemy trying to tell us who we are that is false and destructive. So God, I just pray a wake up for the bride. I just can't pray that enough, Lord. I know you are doing it, and I thank you for it. But God, I stand in agreement with your plan for the great shaking, God that will shake off all that can be shaken so that what cannot be shaken will be what remains. Because we need you, God. We need to see that you are all that matters. We need a single eye just for you, God. Lord, I pray that over your people this morning. I pray that over ignition. I pray that you would take these words released that you have given in ignition and carry them forth, God, all across the globe according to your plan. Lord, I, we can't even explain what you've done thus far. But God, as we just step each step with a yes and the faith to believe that you'll carry us 
in whatever and equip us in whatever you've told us to do. God, that the responsibility of what you do with that is on you. And I thank you for that. Because man, just like Jesus said, apart from you, I can do nothing. So I thank you, God. I praise you. Let this word go deep, deep down and produce a great harvest in our lives. We love you. We praise you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.